You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange, where we meet the creators shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. On today's episode, you'll hear my conversation with the amazing producer, designer, and co-founder of the audio-visual platform and label Fractal Fantasy, it's Zora Jones. That's probably the best thing you can do as a musician, like make a hundred songs or demos before you release your first important body of work, because then you'll really have found yourself. You know, you'll have found your voice and what you want to do, what you sound like. Originally from Austria, Zora studied in Barcelona and is currently settled in Montreal, where she finalized her debut album, 10 Billion Angels. Already notorious for her beautifully mutated club music and captivating immersive live shows, this album has had Zora pushing herself into new territory and getting comfortable using her own vocals. We talked about creative growth, using CGI to bypass reality, and the Beijing spa that her album is named after. There is also a video version of this episode available on RA's YouTube in case you want to see Zora and I and see some clips of her visual work. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Zora Jones on The Exchange. Welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. My name is Martha and I'm so happy to welcome Zora Jones to the podcast. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, Would you set the scene for everyone? Where are you today? What's today had in store so far? Um, I'm in Montreal, so it's still pretty early in the day. It's just 10 a.m. I just did my little morning routine of waking up, having a coffee, doing some exercises, doing some emails and stuff, you know. I don't know, I, in, in lockdown, I noticed how important routine is, so I've been really nourishing that. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I read that you were recovering from a, a back injury. Is that feeling better now? It is better, yeah. Um, it's still, I think it's still going to take a while to really heal. Um, I can't walk very far yet. I can walk around in my apartment, so I haven't left this apartment since last November besides two doctor's visits which is actually really crazy um I kind of got used to it it was really hard at some point when the pain was really bad but now that the pain's a bit better it's like easier because I can sit longer and stand longer and stuff but um yeah this is still going down (laughs) Mm, well I'm glad to hear that you're on the mend um did you have to make kind of adaptations to the way you expressed yourself and created whilst you were stuck with an injury I did yeah I mean in the first month when it was really bad I was pretty much just taking it easy you know but I was still making a mixtape and stuff which was fun because I couldn't sit or stand so I had to lay down and I kind of um, adapted my whole setup in order to be able to DJ uh, which I did with projecting the software that I recorded with onto the screen and having a controller on my lap and I just DJed laying down, which was fun. 
Um, but now I kind of have just, you know, I have to lay down every 30 seconds and do a little exercise, uh, 30 seconds, 30 minutes uh, into some exercises in order to not be in pain. So it kind of disrupts the workflow a little bit, but at the same time, it makes me a lot more, um, I don't know, just motivated to do creative things. I'm kind of overcompensating um, the injury with uh, creating and making music and making visuals and stuff. So, so you were literally lying down, projection on the ceiling. Yes. And you kind of adjusted to it and felt okay doing it that way. It was fun, actually. Um, it also distracted distracted me a little bit from what was going on, so it was cool, you know. And like uh, DJing and making music and stuff makes me really happy. So I think that it is really important for the recovery process also that I can do that so absolutely I love the innovation and the commitment right there I love to hear about it um so quite a lot of us are stuck at home but you've kind of been building virtual playgrounds long before the rest of us looked almost solely to the internet for these kind of immersive club experiences um what kind of drew you to wanting to create those initially and how would you say that their meanings or significance has transformed over the past year? Well, Sinchin and I are both super visual people and we're also um, really interested in new technologies. So we, I think Fracco Fantasy kind of came from a place where we wanted to combine those both interests with our music. I don't think virtual playgrounds or virtual environments kind of changed much for me over the last year because to me um, it was never a substitute for IRL life it was just a means of expression so in a way it is not a substitute for real experience real life experiences you know I still really really miss going to the club although there have been online festivals happening and stuff so um yeah I'm not sure if it changed that much to be honest I wonder if you were perhaps a bit more prepared than some of us for the last year and the kind of shifts that we've had to readdress because you're kind of already familiar yeah a lot of people asked us that actually but I don't know I don't know if anyone was prepared for this to be honest (laughs) we're kind of just all trying to adapt and trying to like um you know make things happen in this crazy time um, I'd love to hear a bit more about Virtua. So it was intended to be and will be a, a physical space. Um, but right now it's kind of loading and setting up online. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, so um, the Virtua that you see right now on Fracker Fantasy and on YouTube is basically the pr- blueprint um, for the ultimate community space we'd like to build. Um, and Virtua, in a way, is a blank canvas where everything inside is geared towards meaningful uh, cultural interaction and interaction between people. Um, Because that's in the end what's important, right? Like when you go out with your friends, you don't think back and you're like, oh my God, I had such a great time waiting 20 minutes in Kocek to be able to hang my jacket into this thing. But you think about the time you had with your friends and like dancing and with the music on the dance floor and stuff or uh, creating, um, experiencing visuals. Um, that's what's important, I think. So everything in that space will be geared towards that, towards meaningful interactions. Okay, so minimizing things like waiting at the bar. Code check. Yeah. Anything that you can minimize that's not important, like that 
yeah the, the, the more minimizing the better <laughs> and is the aim to have like more time with the music yeah more time with the music more time just yeah experience things that make us happy you know that's I think the things that's the things that are important when you look back in your life like what did I do with my life you know what made me happy and to me at least that is being on the dance floor being uh, creating with other people um, creating visual art experiencing visual art and stuff like that so that space will be geared towards that so so far what have we seen in Virtua online Oh, online is just a blueprint. That's just basically a render of what we want to do, you know, like an architectural representation of it. Um, so we haven't done anything in virtual because it doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. But once we build it, we'll be able to um, do all types of stuff in it. Like it will be not only a club, it will be production studio. Um, we can host visual artists. We'll be able to host... Um, I don't know, all types of things like movie nights or something, you know, you don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, especially not with the restrictions still in place, which are probably going to be there for a few years. So um, we'll see. We'll see. If you don't mind, I'd love to go back a little bit um, to growing up. Um, would you be able to share with us any kind of early memories of video games that really resonated with you? Um I just want to get a, a bit more of a picture of the kind of movies, the games and the sounds that you believed shaped your kind of take on the world and may have ended up influencing your practice. Um, oh my God, video games. I remember playing Mortal Kombat with my neighbours all the time. And I also played a lot of racing games, but I got really um, way too deep into that stuff so I had to stop at one point because I got really addicted to it and it was too much um <laughs> that's so much I remember from gaming um that came back later in life anyway with uh with fracker fantasy and stuff but I think um what shaped my creative practice I think a lot of that has to do with my family and like the way my family raised me and how much uh, importance was put on culture and experiencing, um, you know, art. Uh, my mom made sure that we constantly went to museums, to galleries, that I was constantly drawing, building something. I don't know, any present was geared towards making things uh, and being creative. So um, creativity was really, really uh highly emphasized in my family and still is I think my mom is probably the biggest supporter of her local art community that, like more than anyone so <laughs> um, I think that's what a lot would shape my my current life I think and my current way of uh, creating and my outlook towards art and stuff I was wondering about what you may have studied because you have quite a like multifaceted practice and I was wondering what did you study if you studied at all yeah, I did. I studied fashion design, actually, um, which was pretty intense because <laughs> it's a pretty, um, I don't know if you've met fashion students or whatever, but they always tell you how intense the studies is and how intense the teachers are and stuff like that. So um, I studied fashion design, yeah, for a few years in Barcelona. Mm. And um, did it give you the space to branch out into other things or was it just quite intense? Um. Well, I think it definitely taught me some things like uh, project management, 
in a way, you know, like really focusing in on one project and um, working on that. But more than anything, I think it taught me that I have to be my own motivator, you know, and without my own engagement, I'll learn nothing. Because most of what I learned in fashion school was kind of um, self-taught, which sounds weird, but it was a bit of a weird time because they changed regulations in the EU about how people need to study and stuff. It was the first year of a new study plan, so everything was confusing. We didn't really have a good plan going into it, so um, a lot of what I learned there, um, I taught myself like sewing. Um, I learned about patterns, but more than anything, I learned it by doing, you know, and I think that's something I still carry on, like being very, uh, yeah, DIY about everything and trying to to learn about the things that I want to make, like being really hands-on with technology or um, hands-on with anything I want to do, really. Um, let's move on to hearing a bit more about music specifically. Um, so since 2015, when I kind of first heard your first EP, how would you say your approach to the creation of music, you know, writing, production has evolved? Um, I definitely know a lot more about production now than I did in, back then, you know. So um, in that sense, um, I don't know. It's a bit hard to say from the inside how, how things changed. I think you can kind of hear my progress over the years and how my approach changed to making music. Um, but since I'm here firsthand, it's kind of hard to describe it. Um, something that I still carry on though is trying to always, you know, push myself and experimenting with things and make, trying to make things that I haven't heard before and pushing myself into in uncomfortable territories. I think that's a thread that's always been there, you know, like trying to um, grow creatively, learning new things and applying new things to my music instead of just typing on the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I think I think it's super important to grow creatively and to keep growing with your music because you grow as a human. So um, it should be parallel to your creative growth, I think. Mm, absolutely. And were there any methods or like producer um, set up and arrangement things that you have kept consistent or are, are there things that you look back on and just like cringe about that you used to do when you first started producing um no actually it's quite the same still I don't um have a big setup really I have my laptop I have my laptop keyboard and I have a microphone and myself and my headphones you know that's all I really need I sometimes work on speakers but more for um, mix sounds and stuff. I quite enjoy working on headphones because they're quite close. And you can hear a lot of details that you maybe can't hear in speakers depending on what your room setup is also. So, um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I can miss sometimes not knowing what I'm doing in production. Like in the beginning when you start out and you don't uh, know how things work or whatever, you do a bunch of, you make a bunch of accidents that turned out really amazing, you know, now that I know more, I'm kind of like very precise about, um, you know, this is what I want to do, I'm going to make it, which is great too, I don't know, both has its um, advantages and disadvantages, but um, I really like that experimental phase in the beginning. Speaking about that sort of beginning stage, what would you say are your kind of top tips for finding a musical identity and did you have any strategies like some people will 
dive in and be like okay I'm gonna make I'm gonna work on a loop a day or something like that did you do anything like that to help that was what my whole first EP was about I don't know if you know the story but Sinjin set me out to make a hundred songs before um releasing my first EP which ended up being 100 ladies um and I think I'm just gonna pass on that advice because that's probably the best thing you can do as a musician like make a hundred songs or demos before you release your first um important body of work because then you'll really have found yourself you know you'll have found your voice and what you want to do what you sound like uh, yourself in the music um, I think that applies to anything really put in 10,000 hours and you'll be great at whatever whatever it was if it's like writing emails or doing taxes or I don't know like, <laughs> like whatever you 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 fancy to do um, if you spend a lot of time on it you'll get great in it and you'll find um, your voice in it I think All right, let's get to know Fractal Fantasy a little better. So you have mentioned it already, but for our listeners, I was wondering, how would you describe Fractal Fantasy? Fractal Fantasy is a platform that Sinjin and I made that allows us to do whatever we want to do, exactly how we want to do it. Um, I really like it because it's pretty open format and it's there for us and not us for them. So uh, for for it, sorry. So um, whatever we want to create, we can make it through Fact of Fantasy. Like if that is um, visual installations in in spaces or albums or uh, code experiments or uh, performances, you know, it can be all types of things. So um, yeah, it's our little creative platform that we built and that we're nourishing and um, making grow over the years. And Sinjin is Sinjin Hawk, um, just for our listeners. How did you guys come to work together? And what would you say are your kind of individual strengths or your individual areas of focus that you each bring? Yeah, um, well, we pretty much spend all of our time together. So it was um, pretty natural that we started a project together at some point, um, which ended up being Fracker Fantasy. Um, you asked about our roles of Fracker Fantasy and what our strengths. Mm. Um, spending time with Sinjin is incredible because he's such an amazing creative and still my favorite artist and the most amazing producer I've ever seen. So. Um, I learn something every day just by watching him work or through conversation. And I think one of his big strengths are that he um, sees an artist or a project and he knows exactly what's great about this person or about this um, this project and how to bring that to the forefront and make it shine. You know, he's really just amazing at that. Uh, besides also having a wonderful ear for composition and for music. so. Um, I don't know, it's it's great having him uh, be part of the project. And um, I don't know, my strengths, I think, are um, organization. I'm super organized. I have a lot of drive, too. I have the calendar on hand. So if I want to make a project, I'll like make sure that it happens. <laughs> um, so in that sense, we're pretty, um, we're a good team. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the super important thing. Um, I know this is a horrible question because they're all your creations and your projects that you've overseen, but has there been a particular project affiliated to your work with Sinjin specifically relating to Fractal Fantasy that 
you know something that's like really extra special to you that you're kind of the most proud of oh wow um I'm proud of all of them yeah but with Sinjin specifically I think our life set our tour that we've been doing for the last years and um what we've been working on there just because it's super fun touring with him and experiencing that with him on stage and being with um, our fans, IRL, which is an amazing experience. Um, so that was really, really great. And I'm really proud of that and how it turned out. Would you tell us about a live show that went really well? I feel like everyone needs those memories to relive of like an amazing live set. Um, yeah, so uh, we built a visual rig which basically portrays us as these like crazy metallic superhuman beings behind us on screen in real time and um it's a bit of it's a very complex setup and it takes a long time to set it up every time so um it's a lot of effort touring it around the world but um I don't know it's there's something special about it that con people connect a lot like bringing the music live to people and also having live visuals like a really big representation of ourselves that's kind of like really strange and like at the same time really liquidy metal and stuff so i think people really enjoyed that and really enjoyed um seeing it and so did i there was some really special moments throughout our tour that i'm never gonna forget about your recent album 10 billion angels um this is your debut album how long would you say tracks from this project have been in the making oh my god a long time partly partly three or four years or longer i think but partly they were made in the last year so i don't know um it kind of came together over the last three or four years in the end of the day and um, would you tell us the story of how you went about naming the record? That was a hard one because naming songs is easier than naming an album because you really want to encompass the whole thing, right? You want to explain uh, or really find like a good uh, image to how it sounds like. And that was kind of um, what Tembinal and Angels was for me. It was a good image that I wanted people to see when they listen to the record or when they look at the visuals also which also have something to do with the name anyway it's these uh, angels floating around in the world uh, in different places and um yeah the name is fun because uh we were walking with some friends in beijing and i saw this spa that was called 10 billion angels and i was like wow what goes down in the 10 billion angel spa behind those curtains? I want to know. And it was this really interesting and mysterious place that I wanted to enter. So it, it, in a way, it really stuck with me and it really um, fit the album as well, I think. Mm. Yeah, I can totally see how it would be difficult to 
pick one name that kind of captures what you're trying to do on a record and this is your debut so maybe a part of you wanted to kind of reflect a bit of your essence in some form too I guess so yeah I mean that's the music really also and the visuals it's um mm. since it my, it's my first record I really wanted to make sure that it's a very very well-rounded representation of my musical world in the end of the day um I'd love to hear more about the visual side of it should we start with the kind of cover artwork where we see you immortalized rendered in 3d with tentacles um would you explain a bit more about that yeah um just about the whole tentacle porn and everything um what i what i really like about cgi is that you can create um or that you can bypass reality because you're not bound to the same uh constrictions and um so you can create really fantastical things and um the tentacle porn came about me just being really fascinated with the Roger video games, uh, so erotic video games, and um, tentacle porn is a huge part of it. And that specifically interested me because of the community around it and because of how um, obsessive the creators were, because they have this fantasy of tentacle pornography this like fetish that they have and it doesn't it can't exist in real life really so they have such a big urge to see it that they need to make it and it's incredibly difficult to make it to an hour because I've done it um <laughs> but uh it's it's super involved uh super hard to do and I really admire this um motivation of them to um wanting to see their fantasies and I think that's a super pure creative motivation in a way you know that you're so obsessed with something that you need to make it or hear it anyway in music so um I really related with that and that's kind of how that connection came about and with the music itself um you mentioned your production setup as being you your computer mostly headphones sometimes speakers um are you still focused on keeping that production setup quite mobile and flexible? Yeah, absolutely. I don't need anything. I like that it's so minimal because I can just whip my laptop out anywhere, you know, and make music. It's great. I don't need much. So um, I really love that. Um, I try to experiment in the box, really, you know, experiment with new synths or um, uh, pushing myself to learn new uh, techniques or for example using my vocal is something I've started doing um, you know pushing myself into uncomfortable territories within the setup that I have in order to grow creatively. Mm. I'd love to hear more about you kind of pushing yourself and growing into your voice and using your own vocals. First of all why did you want to go that route and and learn more about your own voice? Um I've always used choirs and vocals a lot in my music through every, I don't know, since the beginning, I think. And I st just um, started to grow a bit tired of sampling other people's acapellas. And I have very specific ideas that I wanted to uh, do. So um, in the end of the day, it was using my vocal that allowed me to do that. And so um, I took uh, vocal coaching and I really learned how to use it, and I'm still learning. Um, it's a long learning process using your own vocals. So um, 
it opened up a lot of possibilities though that I didn't have to before you know being very precise with certain wording or certain melodies with certain sounds so um, that's why I did that I also think that um, creatives should also push themselves into uncomfortable places in order to grow you know if you're always comfortable you never grow so um, that's super super important for creative people I think so um, I try to live by that a little bit. <laughs> and so was um, the idea of using your own voice, did that previously feel quite uncomfortable and something that you shied away from? Um, yeah, because I'm not a trained singer, you know. It's if you hear people like Rosalia or whatever, they've been singing for all their life. They've been doing it for a long time, you know, and it takes a lot of practice and a lot of knowledge and a lot of um, training to be able to do it well. So in the beginning, I was uncomfortable, especially if you, um, I'm sure you had this before when you first record yourself making a podcast or something, <laughs> then you hear your own voice and you're like, oh my God, that's how I sound like, you know? So it is very uncomfortable, but in, in the end of the day, I think a lot of great things can come out of, um, being uncomfortable or like you know so uh, in that way yeah it was great for sure and what goes down in a, a vocal coach lesson oh man I have this um, she's great I have this girl called Zaya from Montreal she's incredible she has such an amazing vocal also super dope girl um, very spiritual very in touch with herself so it's kind of like a vocal uh, lesson but also like a life lesson at the same time she's really really cool but um she just kind of I've only ever walked with one vocal worked with one vocal coach so I can say much about other people but with her it works like I go there she we kind of um you know sing together and then she she helps me um refine things that need refining you know train things gives me advice gives me um exercises to do that I do every day you know so that's so interesting and this is someone you met um through the kind of Montreal scene Mm -hmm. yeah I asked a friend like do you know a vocal coach because he works with a lot of artists and he was like yeah I know this girl called Zaya she's great and so we tried this out unfortunately we couldn't do it now with COVID but um hopefully we'll be able to pick it up again yeah hopefully um how are you finding Montreal how long have you been there I love Montreal. It's such a cool city. I've been here now um, since this September 20... Oh my god. 2019? Wow, time flies. That last year passed so fast. But yeah, I've been here uh, a lot of times before um, because Sinjin is from here and we have a lot of friends here. And um, yeah, it's a great place. I don't know if you've been, but there's a usually... A very vibrant music scene. A lot of artists live here because it's still fairly cheap for a big city. So I really love it. And I'm really looking forward to everything opening up again. Mm, yeah, hopefully soon. Um, sorry, getting back on track to your album. It, it's been out for a little while now. Um, how does it feel to have it out there? Great. Um, I'm happy it's out. It was a long process to get it out and it was very, very hard work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm really happy because it made a lot of people happy. I think I received a lot of really cute messages from, from people. Like somebody had a really hard time and it kind of helped them, you know, pull through that hard time. He's better now. I think, I hope. Um, but that's, 
in the end of the day what you release music for i think because I, I make the music for myself but i release it for people um to to listen to and to enjoy so it's really beautiful when i see that it makes people happy you know that's kind of what i do it for mm, so special to um receive a kind of message back once you've put the album out there just to hear about someone's personal interaction with it that's really nice I hope we can perform again soon too because that's a big part of it too like performing the music afterwards because you're actually with people in a room if you're just presenting it over the internet it's a bit diff different than when you're actually IRL with people yeah I'm sure it will happen soon <laughs> but it, again it is a kind of like another stage in the process of releasing a record you're done with working on it and that's the kind of expressive creative part and then you put it out there to share with others and it's more kind of navigating the music industry side um, rather than being able to retreat into creativity and perhaps the industry isn't always like the most comfortable place to be no definitely not the music industry is quite wild but yeah we gotta we gotta manage it i guess it's fine though it's it has a lot of positive sides it has a lot of negatives but i think so does any industry really so um I'm just happy that I can release music and have people listen to it, you know, and hopefully I can do that forever. So, mm, yeah. Is that one of the ways that you kind of stay focused and cope with the admin and the industry side, just to think about continuing to make music? Yeah, continuing to release it also. I think that's super important in the end of the day, because if you just make music for yourself, it's fun, but it's just... Um, if you can share it with um, with other people, it becomes this whole different universe that you enter, you know, and it also becomes something very valuable to other people and helps them, you know. I, th I don't know, it's like, um, like seeing how important culture art is or music is for my mother, for example, shows me how important it is that I release my music because it's so, it's so important to her and she really suffers right now because she can't see... Um, she she loves going to galleries, loves going to concerts. She does it all the time, like multiple times a week. So now I see how much she misses that, and how much um, happiness and pleasure that it gives, uh, that brings to her life. So um, I really want to continue doing that, and hopefully um, make some people happy with my creations and music and visuals and whatever we're creating. <laughs> if you could speak to a listener just before they take in your album. What would you want to share with them? Um, get off Instagram before you listen to it. <laughs> I don't know, but that's no jokes aside. I think I wouldn't want to tell anyone what to do before they listen to my music because it's a pretty personal thing. Like everyone should just take it in however they want to take it in um, and enjoy it however they want to want to enjoy it. Because many of us are stuck at home. Um, I'm on the hunt for recommendations from absolutely everyone that I get the chance to speak to. So um, what are you reading, watching, listening to during the lockdowns? Oh my God. Um, I've been reading a lot about low back disorders, which is very boring to most people. I think so. I'm not going to recommend you any of those. But um, reading, I've read a very interesting biography on Elon Musk. Um, I've also read Jim Carrey's book, which is really strange and fun and very weird. I really liked it. It was really funny. 
uh, but very sad at the same time. I really recommend that one. Um, other books I've read. Um, do you know Yuval Noah Harari? He wrote through a bunch of incredible books. Um, one of them is Sapiens and one of them is Homo Deus. They're super, super interesting. Um, I've read those. Then, um, oy, oy, oy. I finally watched all of Twin Peaks during quarantine. That was cool. Um, I want to redo that again at one point when I have time. Um, what else did I watch? Um, we watched The Mandalorian, but we've also been watching a lot of classics because it's very relaxing, like Marlon Brandy, Brando, um, Marlon Brandy, Marlon Brando movies like Desiree and stuff like that, or um, what are you doing? And listening. I really, really like the new Brandy album. That was really beautiful. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Um, I really like listening to Tay Iker. I don't know if you know him. He's really cool, really young R&B guy, very talented, uh, really beautiful voice. Um, Sinjin has just been blasting Daft Punk every morning, which is fun. <laughs> it's a great way to wake up. I really, re I really recommend that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's always when you get asked, what's your favorite movie or what have you been watching? No, trust me, you've you've delivered plenty of gems there. Some people take a long time to come through with anything, but there's lots for us to dig into. Thank you. Um, so looking ahead to uh, the future, do you have any aspirations for a new project on the horizon? Yeah, I'm working hard on new music. It's coming together really well and I have a lot of it and I'm working on new visuals as well. So there's going to be a project coming soon. Um, don't want to quite announce what it is yet. Um, I've also worked on some fashion projects with a friend of mine, which are also going to come out soon-ish, um, given that COVID lets us. But um, yeah, that has been fun. That has also happened um, over the internet, which is interesting, because uh, my uh, collaborator is in Barcelona and I'm here. so. Um, interesting working on fashion over the computer. Um, what else? Sinjin has been making music and it sounds super dope, obviously. Um, it's so good. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be his new album, I think. So um, that has been going down. Yeah, a couple of small things in the work, but I think that's the biggest project that we've been working on recently. Well, you've given us a lot to look forward to there. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing us into your world today. It's been so cool to hear about the processes behind your creations and just understand a bit more about you. So Zora Jones, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was really fun. That you enjoyed hearing from Zora and if you did want to see some clips of her work there is a video version of this episode on RA's YouTube. 
Thanks ever so much for listening to The Exchange. We will be back next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears. Oh,